0: Welcome to a Why Is This News edition of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your SB Nation blog covering all things Ohio State Athletics 24 7 My name is Matt Tamanini. I'm one of the co-managing editors for the site, and I am joined, as always, by one of our land-grant contributors and editor emeritus, the lovely Buckeye herself, Bleeding Green Nation's Alexis Chase. And Alexis, you ready for a whiteout?
1: I am so excited. Well, I guess not for the whiteout, but I'm very excited for the game. I think it'll be... The first, you know, pretty big test. Like, I was pretty confident going into TCU, but I feel like this one is really, we'll see what we're made of.
0: Yeah. Well, we are recording on Thursday night, and it has been quite a week, Alexis. Um, a lot of stuff has happened. We're going to get into stuff about Penn State. We're going to talk about uh, Nick Bosa's injury. We're going to talk a little bit about Ohio State basketball. And we're also going to give you updates on everything that's transpired in the NFL for former Buckeyes. But Alexis, you're right, we cannot start with anything other than talking about this weekend's game against Penn State. One thing that Ohio State is going to have to deal with, Alexis, coming into this week in Happy Valley, is the fact that for the second week in a row, their best player, at least best defensive player, um, but their highest rated player going into the NFL draft, Nick Bosa will not be there. We got a little bit more information about his situation this week, and to say that it's not good would be an understatement at his press conference on Monday. Urban Meyer said that it'll be a few more weeks for Nick Bosa. Then we started to get reporting from various outlets, including, including Ari Wasserman at the athletic who kind of got the whole ball rolling. He said that according to Nick Bosa's parents, that Bosa will be out at least until November. And that's only until when he will actually see a doctor and be reevaluated. As you mentioned, and people asked Urban Meyer on Monday in the press conference, would it, Makes sense for Bosa just to skip the rest of the season. Um, His spot in the NFL draft is almost certainly secured in the top five. This is not an injury that is long term um, debilitating, but it is one that takes rest to get back to one hundred percent. Doesn't make sense for him to push himself before is necessary to get healthy to come back maybe risking further injury or would it just make more sense for him to chill wait for this season go through the draft process and then find a team that'll pay him a crap ton of money whenever the draft comes along
1: yeah i want to answer that two ways because like yes using my brain it would make perfect sense for him to sit out extended um You know, maybe if we make it to the playoffs, I could see him coming back in because I know I don't think he would give up the opportunity to play in a national championship game. But I think like NFL scouts have already seen everything they need to see from him. So I don't think anything he could do over the next 10 games would really change him being a top five, if not the top draft pick, you know, come the spring. But my heart says, like, no, you need to come back as soon as you're ready. Like, <laughs> We need you. And we don't really, like, need, need him, but it's Nick Bosa. You always need him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that I think has been interesting as I've been talking about this game with um, our friends over at Black Shoe Diaries and, and other people. If Ohio State was going to lose one of their best players, the position that you would want that to happen— is probably defensive line, specifically defensive end, because you're able to plug in players like Chase Young and Jonathan Cooper. You've also got uh, Draymond Jones and Big Bob Landers in the middle. So, yes, if if you were going to lose somebody of the stature of Nick Bosa, you'd want it to come from the defensive line. But. Right. You don't want to lose Nick Bosa. right? Like, it's just,
1: I mean, if the option is to have him or not have him, you're going to take have him
0: every time. Right. And it's actually not dissimilar from, I think, some of the conversations that we had about Urban Meyer. We felt very comfortable when Urban Meyer was gone that this coaching staff and, by extension, this team, would be prepared enough to weather the storm without him. But Urban Meyer is still Urban Meyer. You want him around as much as possible because he's one of the best coaches of a generation. What I think is interesting about Nick Bosa, though, is that Ohio State's bye week comes on October 27th. They then play Nebraska, who, based off their performance against Michigan, is god-awful on November 3rd. (laughs) I mean, let's call a spade a spade. It's, It's fair. Yes. Then Ohio State plays Michigan State on November 10th. Then they have a week off. Well, not really a week off. They play Maryland. But then they have Michigan. That takes them into the stretch where they have Michigan, the potential Big Ten Championship game. And then remember, it's not a huge amount of time. It's not the 50-something days that we used to have in the BCS Championship days. They would be back on December 29th after playing the Big Ten Championship game on December 1st to play in either the Cotton or the Orange Bowl. So if I'm trying to get Nick Bosa back on the field, and I think you're 100% right, if Ohio State remains undefeated while he is out, I think he's going to try to get back on the field to be a part of a championship run. If I am managing Nick Bose's career, and I'm certainly not, although I would be happy to take an, an advisor or an agent's <laughs> cut from his future NFL earnings, I would say keep him out through the bye. Keep him out through Indiana. Try to get him ready for November 10th against Michigan State, even if it's in a limited capacity, kind of on the pitch count that we saw from Tough Borland. then sit him down for Maryland, maybe have another pitch count kind of thing in there as well, but get him healthy for Michigan, potentially Wisconsin, and then you have another three-ish weeks to get ready for the, the college football playoff semifinals. No one has asked my opinion, no one will ask my opinion, but there is no need to rush him back, and if Ohio State stays undefeated, I think discretion is the better part of valor when it comes to getting Nick Bosa back on the field. It's a whiteout. I don't really know if that has a ton of impact as much as, as Penn State fans like to think about it. There was a note in Penn State's game notes that actually said they have a losing record in actual whiteouts. Oh, that's not good. No, and Ohio State is 2-2 two and two in whiteouts in Happy Valley. So um, I also saw, and I forget what wide receiver it was. I wasn't planning on mentioning this. I forgot to look it up. But one of the receivers in the media availability earlier this week said that the whiteout actually makes it easier to catch the ball because the brown sticks out more against the white backdrop. I don't know if he's just saying that, but pretty interesting. You know, uh, you hear so much about the People waving things behind basketball hoops and the big heads and all that stuff. I guess the counter to that is if you're wearing all white, a brown football is much easier to locate.
1: Yeah, and it would probably be a little bit brighter, I feel like, in this stadium, too. Like, even with all the lights and everything, you know, it'll stand out. But even if not, I just love that, like... It probably got under so many, like so much skin. Like people were probably so mad about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you're 100% right. And speaking of that, just want to plug an article I posted yesterday that has gotten, uh, normally when I write something as like a column, people hate me for it, whether it's about fake turnover props or something about the Urban Meyer investigation. Generally, people hate me. I've got about 50 50 split on this one. I wrote a <laughs> column on Thursday morning. That admits that despite being a lifelong Ohio State fan, my parents met as students at Ohio State. I'm the 20th member of my extended family to go to Ohio State. I'm a proud alumnus, super involved student in Ohio State. I love everything about Ohio State. But I kind of hate Penn State more than I hate Michigan. And there's a lot of factors that go into that, and two of the main ones I wrote about in this article and uh, Alexis, I don't really want to get into that article, although if you want to tell me who you hate the most, and I, I prefaced all this, that it's sports hate, it's not hate, hate, like I don't really hate anybody, but sports hate, I hate Penn State more.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's totally fair, I and I also think you can hate two teams, like oh, that's okay oh, too. yes,
0: I hate more and, than two teams, I hate right. many, many, many teams, including Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan State, Iowa, Clemson. There's a lot yeah, plenty,
1: of plenty of hate to go around, but I personally have more of a, a rivalry with Penn State, I guess, because my dad was a Nittany right. Lion, but he said, you know, after putting me through college and everything that he's a Buckeye now because they took more of his
0: money. That's fair. Yeah, I guess <laughs> you have a little bit of a different situation, um, but mine goes back to the 1994 game and I write about it in the article. But what I wanted to bring that up for is, is that there's been a lot of talk about in, in Pennsylvania, about who is Penn State's rival. James Franklin made great pains to state that their rival is not Pitt. And to them and their fans, this is the game that they are looking forward to. I think for a lot of reasons, mainly because Penn State has been much more competitive with Ohio State in recent years. Although I will say, in writing this article, I did a little research, since Penn State came into the into the Big Ten, Ohio State's record against Penn State is 17 and 8. Ohio State's record in that exact same time against Michigan is 17 and 8. So equally not competitive, although the way that those wins have been dispersed over the course of those 20-something years um, is obviously much different. But this game is so important for Ohio State on the field, it's almost hard to imagine it being even more important from the Penn State side because A They're the ones that haven't been to the playoff. B, they're looking at Ohio State like Ohio State often looks at Michigan. And C, it's at home. And I feel like there's just a ton of pressure on Penn State, on a quarterback who, even though he's a veteran, has declined in terms of his passing ability. They're a team that has their best player from last season, now in the NFL. I feel like Ohio State's going in there with certainly... Tons of pressure. You don't want to lose this game. But I feel like it's kind of small compared to what Penn State is bringing into the game in terms of baggage.
1: Absolutely. And I also feel like, you know, the competitiveness the past couple years has definitely been greater against Penn State. And those are the players that are still here. So I think for the Buckeyes, I'm hoping that, you know, they see it as you know, maybe an equal to or almost equal to uh, rivalry as Michigan because they're going to prepare for it. You know, rivalry games are always more fun. (laughs) It's just the way they are. Whether you're winning by 50 and you're just watching, you know, love watching them get pounded or, you know, it's a nail biter, but you win with 15 seconds left on the clock and it's just great. So um, I like that maybe we can have two rivals. I'm okay with it.
0: Oh, I think we can have we can hate everybody. We can have plenty of rivals. (laughs) I mean, what's funny about it is a lot of people in response to that article said, "Well, yeah, Penn State has been more competitive than Michigan." I mean, not really. Ohio State has won six of the last seven. uh, Let me see if that's right. One, two, three, four, five, six of the last eight, uh, seven of their last nine against Penn State. So it's not like Penn State and Ohio State are jockeying back and forth, but. When it comes to the pecking order of the Big Ten East, Penn State is obviously the one nipping at Ohio State's heels, but Michigan is still trying to get out of its own way and be something better than third in the Big Ten East in the Jim Harbaugh era. Not sure that's going to happen this year, but we will definitely see down the road. So, Alexis, speaking of what's going to happen on Saturday... I assume that because these are two proud uh, programs, they are rooted in defense and running the ball and low-scoring, slobber-knocker games, that you will, as normal, <laughs> predict a score in the teens, maybe, and uh, keep it low and conservative, correct?
1: Yeah, I feel like you set—every week, Matt, every week, <laughs> you set me up for failure here, but— We have Dwayne Haskins on one side, and we have Trace McSorley on the other. Lots of moxie. they're going to combine for over 100 points. Oh, ho, ho, I know. I know. And over... I'm really just doing it because I'm being stubborn, and I've done in the 60s the last few weeks, and it's going to happen. They're getting back. So <laughs> It
0: hasn't happened yet. No.
1: I know, but I keep getting the opponent's score, so it's going to happen. So 63-42, Ohio State, still by two scores, and we're all happy campers.
0: The over on this game, last I checked – uh, was 71. Ohio State, I believe, is currently sitting at a four-point favorite. My instinct here is, that, and I, I wrote about it earlier this week, I tweeted about it during uh, the Ohio State game last weekend, that I feel like the score is going to be very high. I feel like we we're going to pass the over. But despite all of those things that I know in my head, in my heart, tells me that this game, weird things will happen. I'm a little nervous about Urban Meyer quickly shedding his game manager role and pulling <laughs> the reins back on the throwing, especially Dwayne for some,
1: Haskins runs for 300 yards. Well,
0: I'm not going to say that. I, I just feel like if maybe <laughs> Haskins throws an interception early, we might see more handoffs, which means the scores sure. are going to be lower. So I told earlier this week, and I gave him this on like Tuesday- Um, so, but I'm going to stick with it. I told the black shoe diaries, Penn States, uh, SB nation blog that I was going to pick 35 to 32. I don't feel super great about that. Um, if, if I was going to pick irrespective of that previous prediction, I would probably go for something like 42, 28. Um, but I feel like this rivalry and I'm going to call it a rivalry, no matter what people on Twitter tell me, I feel like this rivalry Weird things happen. We had the game with, like, the crazy special team stuff uh, two years ago. We had this, that huge JT Barrett comeback last year. I just feel like this game is going to be a lot closer than I would be comfortable with. So I'm going 35-32. That's
1: fair. I mean, it's not as fun as mine, but it's fair.
0: You picked 105 points between them. Like, it
1: could happen.
0: Pa and Woody are rolling over in their graves just by that prediction alone.
1: They're just going to... Throw the ball 70 yards every play, bing, bang, boom, 105 points.
0: 105 points. What's been, what's been really interesting about thinking about what this game might be, Alexis, is that Urban Meyer and Ryan Day both have talked about the fact that the reason that Ohio State has converted so quickly to being such a pass-heavy team is not necessarily out of design by like saying, you know what, we're going to not run the ball as much. It's because of the way that defenses have been playing them. They've been lining up specifically to stop the run, despite the fact that Ohio State has been so successful throwing the ball. That's another reason that I feel like James Franklin is going to watch the film from the first Four games and say we can't let Dwayne Haskins throw these deep balls and beat us. We can't let him throw five-yard outs that turn into 75-yard touchdowns. So I just kind of feel like they're going to try to mix up blitzes, but they're still going to drop seven, eight guys into coverage, and they're going to be giving the underneath area for Dobbins and Weber to pick up five to seven yards of rush, but That's great. Five to seven yards. If we average that, that's fantastic. But that means you have to do it a lot more before you get to the end zone. So that's another reason why I feel like the high scores that Ohio State has had earlier in the season might not actually translate to a coach who comes into the game with a different defensive philosophy.
1: But no, I completely agree with that. And, you know, if Dobbins uh, gets the opportunities to didn't uh, McCall, they're, they're freeing Demario, right?
0: Well, I'll believe it when I see it.
1: Okay, well, they say they're going to. So, you know, let them open up their coverage and let the running backs go. And I still think it could be a fun, you know, high-scoring game.
0: Uh, as long as high State comes out on top, I'm totally fine with a high-scoring game. Yeah, same. Same Zs. So if we're thinking about Nick Bosa and projecting his future to the NFL, that makes us think that there are actually players named Bosa who went to Ohio State that are currently in the NFL and are currently hurt and not playing. So Alexis, why don't you give us a little bit of an update as to what's going on with Buckeyes in the NFL, whether they are playing or not?
1: Uh, the Chargers have to be missing Joey Bosa so badly, so but bad. he had <laughs> he had his cast removed this week and he's in a walking boot now, so... Probably a couple weeks until he's back, but he definitely won't be back on Sunday. And then uh, Billy Price is also in a walking boot. He said he's not going to undergo surgery, so I think it's just sort of a rest situation with his foot, Um, but got a bunch of Buckeyes in boots.
0: <laughs> which is never good boots and hats um, and boots and hats, and boots and hats and...
1: No, yes no? uh Eli Apple was out um last week with a groin injury that he sustained against the Cowboys in week two uh he hasn't participated in practice this week so I would doubt that he's going to play on Sunday but he's definitely had a much better year this season and it seems like he's more focused and a lot of the noise has settled so I'm happy
0: He's had a much better year this year than last year, which is like saying you didn't run over your own foot and shoot yourself in the face, is basically what that sounds like.
1: Correct. But he's, I don't know, been really good in coverage and um, hasn't gotten to a fight with any of his teammates. So I feel like win-win, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's about all you could ask for. Play really well. Don't piss off your teammates.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's good that the coaching staff gave him a clean slate and hopefully – you know, he really just takes it and runs with it and doesn't do what he did before. <laughs> um, Adolphus Washington signed with the Bengals this week uh, off the pra- Cowboys practice squad. And I'm really excited. Well, I'm excited for John Simon, but I'm not excited that he signed with the Patriots. Um, but I'm glad he didn't have to, that he actually got signed by another squad because he's had a few injuries like one after the other and um, I could see it being concerning, but he's so talented and he hasn't even peaked yet. So I'm glad to see him get another chance.
0: Yeah, he's one of those guys who is, when he's on the field, he's been really good, but he has not been able to stay on the field because he's been hurt so much throughout his, you know, short, what, four or five years in the NFL at this point.
1: Yeah, well, and his development is why I think the Tennessee Titans are actually going to be good under Mike Vrabel. You know, down at, with the Houston Texans, Vrabel was Simon's linebacker coach and then defensive line coach. And so he really um, developed Simon into what he was. And he was absolutely dominant a couple of years ago when, you know, Jadavian Clowney was out and then uh, JJ Watt was out. You know, Simon took on a lot of responsibility. So, I'm really happy that he's on a team, but I just wish it wasn't the Patriots.
0: Yeah, nobody likes the Patriots.
1: They they don't. But we beat him in the Super Bowl, so it's
0: okay. <laughs> and by we, you mean the Philadelphia Eagles, considering this is an Ohio State podcast. Just want to make sure that people are understanding where your dual loyalties are. One in pro, one in college.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty well known. Maybe that I'm just an making sure fan. we might
0: have we might have new we might have new listeners. They might not know what Bleeding Green Nation is. So
1: yeah, that's just- totally fair. So we, the Philadelphia Eagles, beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl in February, and it was fun.
0: It was fun. Um, (laughs) Speaking of fun, uh, on Wednesday, the Ohio State men's basketball team had their 2018-2019 media days. Alexis, we've talked about this. This team, I'm so excited for this basketball season. Um, I do want to run through a couple things that came out of the media day. First up, if you want to watch Chris Holtman's uh, season preview press conference, we will have a link in this article about the podcast at landgrantholyland.com. But a couple things of note that I wanted to mention. First, Caleb Wesson talked about how he has been working throughout the entire offseason to get in better shape, to be able to keep his conditioning up, and to not be hit by, like he was last year, this freshman wall where he ran into it and just kind of lost a lot of steam halfway through the season. If you see any of the pictures uh, from Media Day, he looks like he's slimmed down a lot. He hasn't lost uh, his size. He's still a big dude, but... I think the fact that he knows that he needs to that he needs to commit to his conditioning is a big deal. I think that coaches and big men around the big 10 should be absolutely terrified about an in-shape Caleb Wesson. He at times was a dominant force last year for this team but either because of conditioning or foul trouble which was probably actually due at least in part to his lack of conditioning he wasn't able to play nearly as many minutes as he should have been able to to really make an impact on the team he only averaged 20.7 minutes per game as a freshman if he's Alexis if he's able to somehow get that up to like 30 he's going to be a force to be reckoned with not only in the big 10 but nationally so I'm very excited about the fact that Caleb Wesson Seems to be doing the right things in terms of getting in shape. If you remember, he had lost a ton of weight last summer, but then got sick and wasn't able to work out for a while at the end of summer going into fall camp. So it'll be really interesting to see how his new conditioning and his new body are able to carry him into the season. Some other things I wanted to mention, the Ohio State basketball facility has got an upgrade and they have a video they put out. They were they gave some tours to media members on Wednesday. They are fantastic alexis they're not gonna rival the stuff over at the woody but it's pretty nice did you get a chance to watch that video at all
1: i did it's it looks like a beautiful facility and evan turner had a lot to do with that right
0: he did. There's like <laughs> the most random thing, Evan Turner Hallway. So uh, <laughs> he made a, con- a contribution to the program um, and there's you know a nice picture of the villain uh, and uh, lots of stuff there. But they, these, they have a, a, a display of all the different Nike shoes that they've worn throughout the year. Obviously, the LeBrons as well. They have these silver basketballs mounted to the wall for every Ohio State. I think it's all American. Uh, they have all the jerseys from the National Players of the Year uh, hanging on on the walls. It's very, very cool. You know, it's there's very no...
1: recruiting friendly. Of
0: course, I would say. yeah, absolutely, and that's what all the facilities are really, anyway.
1: Well, right, but
0: you know, they don't have the water features or the you know the lazy rivers They're like, or whatever. Look at
1: our Evan Turner hallway.
0: <laughs> he's a moderately <laughs> successful NFL or NBA player,
1: but he's really funny and he's here all the time. So come back again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Um, but so that's really cool. And then one last thing that I wanted to mention, Ohio State will play a game in historic St. John Arena this season. They will host Cleveland State on November 23rd in St. John Arena. I, in an article this week, I put forth the idea that Ohio State needs to play at least one game in St. John every season. It's an old, outdated barn, but it's our old, outdated barn. And there's just something special and particularly sweaty as well about playing a game in the home of Jerry Lucas and John Havlicek and Dennis Hobson and Jimmy Jackson and Katie Smith. I know there are very obvious and needed reasons to play their games in the shot to move over like they did during my freshman year in 1999. But playing at least one game a year at St. John Arena should be mandatory as far as I'm concerned.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's iconic. And it's such a good... I think, memory for the players, you know, to add their name to those who have played there. It's kind of an honor.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Alexis, what other Ohio State teams are going to be in action over the weekend as we prepare for the Saturday kickoff against Penn State?
1: Well, the Buckeye Field Hockey team is coming off a big win over number 17 Rutgers, and they're now one and two in Big Ten play and host Indiana Friday at four. The number seven ranked women's ice hockey team opens its season against Quinnipiac in Hamden, Connecticut at 6 p.m. And Ohio State softball team will play their Scarlet vs. Gray game on Friday, also at 6 uh, The men's and women's cross-country teams will be in Chicago on Saturday to compete in the Loyola Lakefront infidational. And then we all know the Buckeye football team will go against Penn State in Happy Valley at 7:30. And Matt, maybe it's a good omen for the football team, but the OSU women's volleyball team beat the number four ranked Nittany Lions just last weekend.
0: They they did, and it made me when I saw that it made me think of last year's Big Ten championship weekend because Ohio State men's basketball beat the ever loving tar out of Wisconsin at the Kohl Center in Madison just a few hours before Ohio State beat Wisconsin at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis in the Big Ten Championship game. So I feel like there's a little bit of symmetry going on there. Not much. It's a little bit of a stretch. But there's a little bit of symmetry. I like it, though. There's a little bit of symmetry, a good omen for everything that's going to happen on Saturday. All right. Thanks for listening to Hangout in the Holy Land. You can find all episodes of the podcast on landgrantholyland.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your daily dose of podcast goodness. You can follow this very show at Holy Land Pod on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. You can follow Alexis at Lovely Buckeye. And you can follow the site at Land 33 on Twitter and at Land Holy Land on Instagram and Facebook. If you're going to Happy Valley, be safe, don't be stupid, and go box. Go box. That's a good one. Yeah. What I think is interesting about Nick Bosa, though, is, I don't know what I think is interesting about Nick Bosa. Where was I going with that?
1: (laughs) Quinnipiac? Quinnipiac? Am I saying that? Quinnipiac? Quinnipiac. No? Oh, you're just making fun of me? Bing bang boom.